Let me remind you that last week we talked about a very controversial topic in the eyes of our world. It's very clear from Scripture, but it's very controversial in the eyes of our world that there are only two biological sexes, male and female, because God created human beings that way. God gave gender as a good gift, and He created us as man and woman. And this week, we are faced with another controversial topic. You may be saying, where can it go from here? A controversial topic for both those in the world, and I would say more so for those in the church. And it's the topic of rest. You may be surprised. Why do I say the topic of rest is controversial? Because if someone asked you, And let me say, if I asked you, or you asked me, when is your day off, you would probably get very uncomfortable. And many of us have responded to that exact question with these words. You don't understand how much I need to do. You're one to talk. I can't afford a day off. My favorite, are you a Pharisee? Friends, if we're honest with ourselves this morning, many of us can admit that we are very, very busy and also very, very, very bad at taking time off. And I confess I feel like a hypocrite this morning because I definitely struggle to rest. Just ask my wife. Thankfully, though, it's God's word that we're here to hear. So let's now hear God's voice by reading Genesis chapter 2. Verses 1 to 3, about the seventh day. Chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And thus reads God's word. Genesis 2 verses 1 to 3 contains three main verbs. Three main verbs which provide for us a very simple outline of three truths to consider this morning. One truth, the first truth, focuses on God's work. We've been considering that over the past three sessions together, God's work in six days. So we have another truth about that. And then the second two truths, so Two and three, focus on God's rest. So three truths for those who are taking notes today. One, on God's work, and two, on God's rest. Truth number one, God always finishes what he starts. Truth number one, in our passage, God always finishes what he starts. Read verse one with me. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Here we have a description of the previous 31 verses. The main verb is that word finished, which here means completed. The focus is the entire created order, the heavens and the earth in all their vast array. Notice how the silence of Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 has now returned, but with a significant difference. 
The unformed is now formed, and the unfilled is now filled. There is now light and darkness with a, with a sun and moon and stars. There's now a sky above with flying things and a sea below with swimming things. There's also now an earth full of vegetation, land animals, and the crown of God's creation, humankind. Everything in the universe, both seen and unseen, according to Genesis 2 verse 1, is now complete. There's nothing to be added. There's nothing to be taken away. There's nothing to be changed. And there's nothing to evolve. It's finished. It's complete. Who created this perfect universe? Well, God. Look at the beginning of verse 2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. Notice that God is the sole subject of this verse and of the creation account because God is the only creator. Do you remember back to week one and week two of this series, we saw over and over again that it was God who said, it was God who blessed, it was God who formed, it was God who made, it was God who created everything emphasizing that God is the only creator. And just in case we forgot, The author of Genesis tells us at the beginning of the seventh day, reminds us that God is the one who finished everything that he had started. And in case we even miss it again, in this passage, the author repeats himself three times with the number three symbolizing completeness. Just like there's, there's three members, persons of the Godhead, complete, perfect. So here we're told three times. Look at the end of verse 2, for example. God rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Same phrase. Look two at the end of verse 3. God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Make no mistake, it is God who has formed the heavens and the earth in all their vast array. After six days, the divine artist has now finished his creative work. The one who who commenced the work of creation has now completed his work of creation. And friends, it reminds us a very important doctrinal truth that our God always finishes what he starts. And this is true of God's work of creation And it is also true of God's work of redemption. If you're a genuine follower of Jesus Christ today, someone who has repented of your sin and turned to Christ and trusted in his finished work alone, then your salvation will one day be complete. Not because of you, but because of the one who holds you. Or to use the words of the Apostle Paul, In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, I am sure of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So when you fear that your faith may fail, trust that Christ will hold you fast. Friend, if you are truly saved, you are eternally, eternally secure because God always finishes what he starts. 
There may be a, there may be a half-done masterpiece right now, but there's never a thrown-out masterpiece. Because God doesn't start something that he's never going to finish. God always starts, always finishes what he starts. Imagine for a moment that right now is the end of the third day of creation. I know it's hard to think about that, but imagine right now we're at the end of the third day of creation. And as we look around, we are amazed because the universe, which was nothing just three days ago, is now perfectly formed. But we have to admit that we're also a little discouraged because it isn't yet filled. It's formed perfectly, but there's nothing in it. It's not complete. And in the same way, when we look at our lives today, we, we, are, we are amazed because of the transformation that God has brought about through faith in his son, Jesus. For some of us, it's a, it's a miraculous transformation. And yet for all of us, we have to admit that we're often discouraged because we still sin and we know that we aren't complete. And then we hear, right in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, how God continued to work another three days and how God perfectly finished what he started. A truth that begins to, to lift our hearts and our hearts burn within us. It encourages us in our struggle with sin because it assures us that our God is not yet finished with us. That the perfect work of his redemption is ongoing and that one day, one day we will be perfect with Christ when we see him face to face. To use the theological terms, we have been justified, declared righteous in God's sight at one moment when we put our faith in Christ. We are being sanctified, conformed into his likeness by the Holy Spirit. And one day when we see Christ face to face, we will be glorified, perfect. God started with our justification and he will finish with our glorification. Because friends, the one who began a good work in you will bring it to completion because he is the God who always, always finishes what he starts. But we move on now to truth number two. We, we move away from, from God's work to God's rest. And truth number two reminds us that God has modeled rest for us. God, the creator of heaven and earth, has modeled rest for us. This passage doesn't just end with the, with the creator finishing what he started. Rather, it goes on to tell us that, that God rested. Have a look again at the end of verse two. And God rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. This phrase is, is repeated at the end of verse 3 of Genesis chapter 2. So we are told twice that the sovereign creator of heaven and earth rested. So we begin to ask why. Why did God rest? I thought God, week number one, is, is the eternal creator. Why is the eternal creator resting? Well, according to ancient Near Eastern creation accounts at that time, humans, the crown of God's creation last week, were, were created to serve the exhausted gods. So we ask, well, was, was our creator exhausted? 
to be fair, he, he created so much in six days, so maybe he just needed to sleep after six busy days. No. The Bible clearly reveals that, that God does not slumber. I listen to the words of God himself in Isaiah 40, verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, i.e. the same God. He does not faint or grow weary. So we're still faced with a question. Why then did God rest on the seventh day? Well, our text provides two reasons for us. One explicitly mentioned in the text and one implicitly mentioned, which is, which is later revealed um, as, as, as Old Testament moves on to the New Testament. So first, the, implicit, uh, the explicit reason, God rested because there was nothing else for him to do in regard to creation. And this first reason naturally follows on from the first truth of our passage. Since God completed his work of creation after six days, there was nothing to be changed. No additions and no subtractions. Therefore, God rested, literally ceased from his act of creation. And this doesn't mean, however, that God stopped everything. If God ceased from everything on the seventh day, then, then the world, perfect world that he had just created would, would collapse in itself because, because the world is spinning because he sustains it. So although God ceased from his, his work of creation, he continued his work of continuation through his providence. And Jesus makes this exact point in John uh, chapter 5. He's accused of breaking the Sabbath by the Pharisees, often a contentious issue. And then Jesus says in John chapter 5 that my father is still working until now. He ceased from his, his work of creation on the seventh day, but his work of continuation through his providence continues every single day. As Paul tells us in Colossians, all things were made through Jesus and all things are upheld by Jesus didn't stop. So that's the first explicit reason. God rested because there was, there was nothing else for him to do in regard to creation. Verse 3 makes it, makes it clear that, that um, look at it there, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. It's telling us where the, um, the, the, the rest is is towards, he is, he is ceasing from his work of his creation. And secondly, God rested to teach us to rest. And those familiar with the Bible will know the term Sabbath. The term Sabbath, the noun, isn't used in Genesis chapter 2. It's not introduced until by Exodus 16. But a related verb is showing that the, that the seed of the Sabbath is implicit in Genesis 2. And this becomes clear later in Exodus chapter 20 when God commands the Israelites to keep the Sabbath day. Exodus chapter 20 verse 11 um, provides the reason for this command. It says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. In other words, you are to rest 
because I have rested. Work for six days and then rest on the seventh day. Now, we'll return in just a couple of minutes to the Sabbath day. So if you're maybe itching for something, just, just stop right there. But for now, notice again that point that, that, that the fourth commandment is rooted in the pattern God established at creation. In other words, God commands us to rest because he rested. Since God worked six days and rested for one, we should do the same. So right here in the beginning, God modeled rest for us. I see some of your eyes at this point, and, and we're beginning to raise those objections that we've already talked about at the beginning, aren't we? You don't understand how much I need to do. I don't. But our all-knowing God does, and he has modeled rest for you. You're one to talk. I'm not talking. Didn't take a day off yesterday. I'm sorry. (laughs) I fall short. But our creator is talking. And he is reminding us of his example. I can't afford a day off, Alex. Probably right. But ultimately, your money comes from the one who rested on the seventh day. I know it's uncomfortable for us to hear, but... But Genesis 2 tells us that we need to rest. That God has has wired his creation in this way. That that God has modeled rest for us. And friends, if the infinite creator rested, how much more do we as the finite creature need to rest? In the New Testament, we see the the God-man Jesus also modeling rest for us. Jesus modeled rest by his actions. So we often read, for example, Mark's gospel, how, how Jesus withdrew from the, from the busy crowds or, or woke early to be alone and to pray and to be refreshed. Jesus also modeled rest for us by his words. And there's this, there's this wonderful example in, in Mark chapter 6. And I, it's going to be displayed on the board behind us in just a moment. This, this wonderful example of our Lord in Mark chapter 6. At the beginning of Mark 6, we're told that, that, that Jesus sent out his 12 apostles, two by two, to go into the world. And quickly they became very, very busy. The narrative tells us how, how, how they preached the good news and, and told people to repent how they were healing people from all their diseases because Jesus had given that authority and how even demons were coming to them and being cast out by the powerful name of Jesus. And their unique experience sounds a little like ours, doesn't it? We're not healing. We're not, we're not, we're not uh, casting out demons. Some of us, most of us aren't preaching, but we're all busy in ministry. That's what it's saying. They were busy with ministry. We're going to see in just a moment how they didn't even have time to eat food. They were exhausted. And then the apostles returned to Jesus. They're excited. They're they're buzzing, we would say in Northern Ireland. Buzzing, just just ready for, for the next bout of ministry. They enjoyed being busy with ministry. Again, it sounds like us, doesn't it? And what did Jesus say to them at that point? Mark chapter 6, 31 to 32. Jesus said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. 
for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Jesus says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. And friends, Jesus knows what's best for them. And he knows what's best for us. And by his words, he, he models rest for his busy disciples. And here in Genesis chapter 2, we see God has modeled rest for us. So maybe, just maybe, we should ask him to help us to follow his example and cease from our work. To rest daily by getting enough sleep. Again, God's created our bodies for sleep. And to rest weekly by taking one full day off. Again, it's uncomfortable because all of us struggle to do that. Not a half day, but, but a full day. Truth number two, God has modeled rest for us. He is the modeler of rest. Truth number three, he is the provider of rest. God has provided rest for us. In the beginning, God not only modeled this rest for us, but, but he provided rest for us. Look again at verse three. The beginning it says, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. There's something strange about this verse, isn't there? Does anyone see what it is? It's the fact that that God has blessed a day. It's strange because previously, God blessed the fish and the birds on, on day five, Genesis 1, 22, and God blessed humans on day six, Genesis 1, 28. So he blesses living things, but now on the seventh day, he blesses time. a bit strange. So we say, well, what does this mean? Well, let's look at how the term was used in Genesis chapter 1. So if you have, have your Bible still at Genesis chapter 2, just flick back one page and have a look at Genesis 1.22 with me. We're told that, that God blessed the swimming and flying things, and then he commanded them to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill their location. So the fish in the seas and the birds in the heavens. But do you notice that link? God blessed them and commanded them be fruitful and multiply and fill. God's blessing them provided them with the ability to to reproduce. It provided God's creatures with, with the security of a continued existence. This blessing then brought about fruitfulness, which was a good thing for them. Cast your eye down to Genesis 1, 28. It's, it's the exact same thing with humankind. We're told, Genesis 1, 28, that uh, God blessed humankind, and afterwards he told them to be, to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth. Do you, do you see the point again? The blessing brings about the, 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 the ability to reproduce. And therefore, it was a good thing. It was a beneficial thing for humans. And in the same way then, the seventh day is blessed. 
It is a good day which is, which is beneficial to God's creation. It's a day that God has provided from the beginning for his creation to be refreshed and to rest. Verse 3 also adds that, that God made the seventh day holy. And this is the first time the word holy is, is ever used in the Bible. And it means set apart by God. The seventh day was, was set apart from the other days. It was different. It was sanctified. And this truth is emphasized by certain features in the narrative of our passage. Notice, for example, how, how the seventh day does not have the normal introduction or conclusion. It doesn't start with, and God said, as all the other six days. And it doesn't finish with, and there was morning, and there was evening, the seventh day. There's none of that. It's a special day. Notice also that the seventh day doesn't have a, have a corresponding pair. Day one corresponded with day four, formed and filled. Day two and day five. Day, day, day three and day six. And then there's day seven. It's set apart. It's distinct. It's sanctified. It's holy. And the word holy in the Bible also has another dimension you see, when, when, when an object is described as holy, it is set apart by God for God. So if I take my phone, set it apart here, it's holy, set apart, but it's for me. It's my phone. So when objects are set apart, declared holy, they're set apart by God, for God. So we see, for example, in Exodus, how, 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 um, how there, was, there was a holy place, a place set apart by God, chosen by God, for God. Or how the nation of Israel was declared a holy people, a people set apart by God, for God. You go into uh, all the laws and, and you're really confused and you see uh, a cloak set apart and, and a priest's garment set apart and oil set apart. Well, they're all holy. They're set apart for, by God and for God. And the same is true with the seventh day. It's, it's a day set aside by God for God. It is a day that God has provided from the beginning for his people to worship him. And do you see the point, friends? The seventh day is blessed and made holy by God because he provided it for his people to physically rest from their work and be refreshed by worshiping him. I was going to put up some old Baptist confessions of faith from like 1689 or so, and I didn't think it would be helpful, but here I am, dual purpose in it. There's, there's two things of the Sabbath, the seventh day, the Lord's day, is to rest, cease from your work, and to worship. We see that in Genesis chapter 2. And this truth is developed throughout the Bible. We see that God has provided us with rest through the Sabbath, or the seventh day, and ultimately through the Savior. So that's where we're going now for the last five minutes or so. God has provided us with rest through the Sabbath, and ultimately he has provided us with rest through the Savior. Notice how God has provided us with rest through the Sabbath. And this is where we start to step on controversial ground, some eggshells. So we're talking about the Sabbath, Israel's Sabbath. 
As we've already mentioned, the seed of the Sabbath is, is contained in the verb rested. After the redemption from Egypt, God gave the Israelites the, the Sabbath day so that they could rest from their work and, and remember all that God had done from them. Exodus 20, fourth commandment, roots this fourth commandment in the pattern established by God in creation. Well, Deuteronomy chapter 5, mentioned again, fourth commandment, roots it in Israel's redemption from Egypt. The Sabbath then was, was, a, was a day set aside for the Israelites to rest from their work and to worship God as their creator and savior. It was to be a blessing, not a burden. That's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man, for the Sabbath. It was a blessing to the people, not a burden. And yet God's people abused his good gift, like we always do, by placing restrictions on it. And as a result, these, these, these man-made laws turn God's blessing into a burden. So it was a blessing, not a burden, and it was turned into a burden and no longer a blessing. Now, many solid Christians have different opinions of, about the Sabbath day and whether it's still relevant, whether it, it's still binding today for Christians, but that, that's not our focus today. If we're in Exodus 20, maybe it would be, but our focus on, this, on the seventh day of creation which I believe presents two binding principles for us. First, we should take one day off per week. It should be a full day, 24 hours, to physically rest. I'm not going to say what this looks like, because I believe that's a matter of conscience. I grew up in a home where I wasn't allowed to watch TV on a Sunday. I wasn't allowed to go for a walk on a Sunday. I shouldn't fly on a Sunday. I was on the phone with someone this week, and they told me, don't fly on the Lord's Day. That's their opinion. Am I going to advise that? No, not necessarily. But if that's you, that's okay. And if that's not you, that's also okay. But at the least, it means that you cease from your normal work as God ceased from his creative work. I put my hands up, it's hard to do. But let me ask you, do you have one full day off rest per week? I believe there's a second principle in Genesis 2, that we should use the same day to worship God. You see, our day off shouldn't be a holiday where we, where we lie on the sofa all day and watch TV. Rather, it should be a day where we cease from our work to worship God. And again, I'm confessing to you guys, I struggle with this. I've been challenged by this because often, ask me, Ray, I lie around on a Saturday and watch sport all day because I'm completely exhausted. But that's not the point. It should be resting, ceasing from work and worshiping. And for the majority of you, your day off should be the, be the Sunday, today. So can I ask you, is worshiping God a priority for you? Do your family and neighbors think that, that church is essential or optional by the way that you spend your day off, the way that you spend your Sunday? Friends, God has provided us with rest through the seventh day, the Sabbath the Lord's day. 
Do you joyfully make use of his good provision? Ultimately, though, God has provided us with rest through the Savior. You see there in in Genesis chapter 1, the sixth day, Adam and Eve were created. The seventh day, God rested. Adam and Eve rested. They they, they, They had a perfect relationship with God on the seventh day. But we know that was later destroyed. Genesis chapter 3, the fall came. We're told that, uh, that they disobeyed God, and as a result of their sin, they and the entire human race with them were separated from their creator. So you and I, because of Adam's original sin, are born separated from God because of our sin. And whether we acknowledge it or not, we know this truth deep down because our hearts are restless. There's an inner turmoil and we try to explain our restlessness. We, we, we try to solve it. We even try to numb it. But our hearts are restless until they find rest in Jesus. Jesus alone can, can solve the restlessness of our heart because he alone has dealt with the problem of the heart. The Bible tells us how how Jesus willingly offered his life as a sacrifice for the sins of his people, how he was crucified on a Roman cross, and that on that cross, God's righteous wrath against sin was poured out upon him. We've been singing that in Christ alone. However, that was not the end, because three days later, God raised Jesus victoriously from the dead, demonstrating that he, a holy God, accepted his son's finished work for his people. And the Bible says that, that, that Jesus is the only one who can give us eternal rest, because he is the only one who has died for our sins and was raised from the dead three days later. The seventh day here in Genesis chapter 2, and Israel's uh, uh, day of rest, the Sabbath, they they both point towards the ultimate rest that is found in the Savior, Jesus. And that exact point is made in the the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. There, Hebrews 4 describes how there's a Sabbath rest available now for the people of God. Verses 1, 6, 7, and 8. How there's an eternal rest that is received only through faith in Jesus Christ the Savior. Verses 2 and 3 of Hebrews 4. So it's very clear that that this rest is available and it's available to you and to me today. You can receive this rest today by, by believing in Jesus. The rest that, that Jesus offers is a rest from dead and empty works because he has finished his work for you. The rest that Jesus offers is a rest from a, from a restless heart because he is the one that your heart yearns for. The rest that Jesus offers is an eternal rest that God has provided for you through faith in the Savior. And friends, it's a rest available to you right now, today. Des didn't know that I was going to quote this, but Jesus makes the exact same invitation in Matthew eleven twenty-eight thirty. 30. And there the Savior himself invites you to come to him 
and to find rest for your soul. So let me close again with his words. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you, as we've heard in our catechism, that he teaches us the truth of Jesus. We thank you, O God, for helping us right now to understand just a little bit more about your work and your rest in Genesis chapter 2. Lord, so much has been left unsaid, and so much, Lord, you need to say to your people. So our prayer is that you would convict all of our hearts that you would also encourage all of us. And Lord, you would help all of us, both Christian and non-Christian, to ultimately find rest in Jesus by accepting your Savior as our Savior. Lord, we thank you too for your example set down to us, that you have modeled rest for us. We thank you also that you have provided rest for us. And Lord, we do pray that you would help us to, to recognize your good gifts. Lord, we confess that we struggle. I struggle, we all struggle, O God, but we thank you that there's forgiveness with Jesus. And we do pray that you would help us to find rest even this day as we cease from our labors and worship you. And Lord, now as we close in our final song, help us to to do just that, to, to praise you for all of the work that you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.